Welcome to P.S. Italy, the podcast about unique customs and travel destinations throughout Italy. I'm your host, Gina Marcello, here with my co-host, Valerie Raffetto. Hi, Gina. How are you doing? I am doing fabulous today. I am so excited about this most unusual custom and tradition that we're going to talk about, which is the Yule. Yeah, I know. A lot of people I don't think have any idea what that is. We sing it in some of our um, Christmas carols and... um, And we say Yuletide greetings. That's right. And nobody really probably has a good sense of where that's coming from. Well, or at least I didn't. Well, buckle your seatbelts because this is one interesting tradition that is celebrated not just in Italy, but in many countries throughout Europe, including Germany and Switzerland and France. That's right. And it is medieval. Oh, it goes back even further, but yes. So have you ever heard of the Yule? Now, if you have, listeners, thank you for tuning in and listening to us. We really appreciate you being part of our our tribe. What do you think about when you hear the word Yule? Yeah, I I thought nothing, <laughs> you know? It just was something I heard in songs, and I was always thinking, I wonder what that is. Well, for me, it made me think of my Sicilian grandmother, who used to make this Yule log cake around the holidays. And that's the only thing that I would think of. I knew nothing else about. Or, or why she made it, right? I had no idea. And yeah. then when I asked my mom, why did Noni make the Yule log cake? My mother said, oh, I don't know. I, uh, bringing good luck for the new year. And that's exactly right. So we're going to look at what the Yule is exactly. So Val, what is it? What is the Yule? Well, let's start with... Um, the one-eyed god Odin, and he was the god of wisdom and poetry, uh, of the dead, of ruin, of runes and magic. Wait right? a minute. So, <laughs> Yule is actually a Nordic god. Yes. Okay. That, that was sort of passed down into the pagan traditions, also. But, and it w- it's very attached to the winter solstice. Okay, so the winter solstice is really the important part That's here. That's the root of the Yule that we're talking about. We're not really talking about the God. We're talking about winter solstice because that's where the log comes in. What That's the root of our tradition. Okay, so it starts with a log, but let's even go further back because before it was a log, <laughs> it was actually... A tree. A tree. Now, yes. let's describe this for our listeners. Yeah, that, this the is Yule tree. Right. So mm, when they started doing this, it it's supposed to bring fortune, good luck, keep evil spirits away. People would go out and be very specific with what tree they were going to cut down to burn in order to keep these e- evil spirits away and keep the fortune nearby. But... When they cut down this tree, they didn't cut it into pieces and then bring piece by piece into the house to burn. They would bring the whole entire tree into the house. How do you get an entire tree into your house? Right. Well, maybe it's not one of those 60-foot trees, but they take the whole tree and they drag it into the house and they stick it into the hearth and they 
<clears throat> put the thickest part of the tree into the hearth. And then the remainder of the tree is in the rest of the room. Is in the room. Okay. Right. And then they light it on fire. <laughs> and as it burns, they would be pushing the rest of the tree into, into the, the fire. fireplace. Okay. That's right. So little by little, the tree would shorten and you'd have a little more space in your room and <laughs> away you would go. But they would always leave one little piece of that that wasn't burnt. Because that that was very good luck. They would keep it under their bed and they would save it for next year to light the new wood. Okay, so this giant tree, do you think it still had all the branches on it when they dragged it into the house? Or do you think they took the branches off? I should think they took the branches off. So, so there's a little more room for people to move around. But I was not there, so I can't <laughs> testify to that. Okay, so we're looking at really... Um, ancient ancient well you know the winter solstice dates back as far as the stone age like 10,200 bc okay that so they actually paid attention to the winter solstice which is the movement of the earth around the sun and where the moon is right on the earth as well right and how that affects the rest of the year moving forward okay so they kind of really took note on those 12 days to understand what the rest of the year was going to be looking like all right and so we have this giant tree that we stick in our hearth and we burn it and when do we start burning the tree is it on the winter solstice it's either on the winter solstice which is december 21st or on christmas or on Christmas. Mm. So most people, when they think of the winter solstice, they think December 21st. Which is supposedly the longest day of the year. But that depends because, you know, as the earth turns and everything, that can alter a little bit. And it can fall on the 22nd. Okay. Occasionally. So technically the winter solstice can be either the 21st or the 22nd. Yes. Okay. Yes. But we tend to think of it the first day of winter as December 21st. Right. Now the Celts believed that the sun actually stood still during those 12 days. And that's why they would burn the Yule log. And they did this because why? Um, to give the, the night more light to encourage the movement of the earth so that it would start going and the into sun, springtime. Right? I mean, yeah. think about how magical that is, that you're burning a log, that you believe by burning this, that you're actually encouraging the sun <laughs> to start moving again. That's right. Okay. So the Yule log has this very, very ancient tradition. It was not a log, it was a tree. Yeah, over the years, though, then it started being a log, just a log. And they would burn it and then just take the little piece before it was finished being burnt to save for the following year to light the next Do log. any towns in Italy still practice the tradition of burning the Yule tree? Well, none of them burn the, the whole entire tree anymore. But now uh, in Sicily, in Florence, and probably other towns, places they do have ceremonies that burn the yule log in sicily they actually pile the wood up and gather it in um a pyre a pi yeah in a pyre and 
people come out during the evening to witness this. But they also do it as part of their community to participate in it because different families will bring pieces of the of the, for of wood to help build the pile. Everybody puts their piece in the pile to participate. And there's sure. I believe there's two towns really in Sicily that practice this. I think they're only about two kilometers apart, and I can't think of the name of the towns off the top of my head. But this is very common still in Sicily. Yes. Okay, so they are still practicing this slightly differently. And the idea is that um, it's a feast and we're celebrating the holiday. And in current times, we do this as a way to represent the birth of Jesus. True. With the Christmas holiday. And the idea with the fire is to, has I guess it was to keep baby Jesus warm. That's true. But... There's other traditions, Celtic customs and superstitions tied to this. That's right, because it it was rooted from the Celts, and then it came out into the rest of Europe. And, for example, France puts in uh, a little bit of red wine on their logs so that it has a smell that's more... Um, of sweet. a per- sweet smell or whatever. Some people put materials in there and beads and pretty things uh, to burn. Okay, so let's go to the heart of Italy, which is really Rome, because this is where I think the tradition went from a pagan tradition. And I want to talk about the pagan tradition for a minute because I think it's really important to understand really how pagan traditions were adopted by the Christian church. Well, when they decided to go from the pagan religion to Christian religion, they decided that it would be an easier transition to keep all of the dates similar or the same and just change the names of those holidays. So um, the Romans really loved the... um, Mirtha, the baby god, Mirtha, uh, who was... It was a feast honoring the children of Rome. Right. right? And, and then it was the on December 25th, 25th. And it was the most important holiday of the entire year. And Mirtha was an ancient Persian god of light, but also a baby or an infant god. Right. And that birthday which was on December 25th, this pagan god's birthday, Mirthra, was then transferred when the Christian, when Christianity began to take over Rome, right? Became what we now know of as Christmas. That's right, because nobody really knows the true birth date of Jesus. And so for them, it was important to take something that was really significant and give it to Jesus. So they took Mirthra's birthday and gave it to Jesus. Because that was the most sacred day of That's the right. year for the Romans. And it also helped kind of morph these pagans into Christianity. I mean, think about what it must have been like living in Rome during the period of time of Christ. And that transition from believing in multiple gods being pagan, and then being told and encouraged to believe in one true God and the birth of that God. That must have been very 
I'm challenging, I would very think, for the people at I the time. Imagine. And luckily, people didn't live very long. Uh, so, <laughs> Or did they know. read? Or write. Right. And so I guess within a really short amount of time, a couple of generations, it was possible to remove the pagan beliefs and replace them with the Christian beliefs, but keep the same days. I mean, it's one of the things I just find so incredibly fascinating about Italian history and Italian culture and where the superstitions come from, that so many of them are really rooted in pagan beliefs and pagan traditions, pagan holidays, pagan holy places. You don't tend to think of that when you think of Christianity. But when you really dig a little bit deeper, you realize that these beliefs and traditions to the eulog on our table are rooted back to pagan beliefs. Pagan beliefs, pre-Roman times even. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and just so you know, Yule in um, Italian, they call it Cepo di Natale. And it really, the Yule log is Cepo di Natale. It's just like a piece of wood, a chunk of wood, and it's called Christmas wood. Christmas wood. Yeah. And do they sell this Christmas wood or do you, is there still a a custom of some families or in some communities of going out and cutting down your tree? Do people still do this? Yeah, I'm sure there are in small uh, villages and smaller towns of Italy there are always going to be someone that holds on to the tradition that has been passed down from one uh, grandmother or great-grandmother to the next. So what is, you know, so we now know that Yule is actually a pagan ritual. It started as a pagan ritual. It was then adopted by the Christian church and um, was adopted as a celebration of Christmas, and it's the 12 days yeah, from Christmas until January 6th. Until January 6th. Mm-hmm. And that, that Yule would burn, and they did that. Why? Why did they do it? Not just for the light, but what, what are the superstitions attached to it? Like, why did the to Sicilians... burn out the uh, bad spirits to bring in good luck and um, keep the people safe and healthy right and to keep away misfortune i think too right might to keep away misfortune so what does this yule tradition now look like in italy because it's still practiced yeah we still have the yule log but it's not most people don't burn it in their fireplace they make it as their dessert they eat it that's right (laughs) we're not gonna burn it we're gonna eat it so it's kind of like how you were talking about your grandmother had it on the table yes um it's a chocolate sponge cake and it's uh cooked very thin and then they pull it out of the pan and they put cream on the inside this is all really natural ingredients and they roll it until it looks like a yodel and they ice it and they are very precise with their icing too because they make it look like bark on the outside of the log Mm -hmm. and then they might decorate the plate with a little bit of holly and some berries or something I remember my grandmother making this yeah and and when you slice it it's just so pretty it's a a little ring of it almost looks like a jelly roll but it's chocolate and delicious the the white cream and I know in Florence they do sell these in the markets oh they sell them everywhere even in our little towns and most little towns in at the bakeries and at the markets and um 
most families have them on the table at Christmas or on New Year's Eve. Even if you're not Sicilian. Even if you're not Sicilian. Sicilians still burn the logs. That's what they do. That's different than what the rest of the culture does because the rest of the culture has kind of Those Sicilians, they're so superstitious. Well, uh, you know, most people don't have fireplaces anymore. Some people can't be bothered. I say that my grandmother was Sicilian. Right, right. You're saying it in jest. And saying it in jest and love for my grandmother. That's right. So I learned all my best superstitions from her. It's a wonderful thing. Including not putting a hat on the table or your shoes on your bed. And whatever you do, don't put your shoes on the table. (laughs) I certainly don't want to do that. All right. So that just sounds uh, absolutely lovely. Um, What other types of things do you think would be important for people to know about the Yule? You know, it's considered to be January's midwinter festival, 12 days of burning. There's, if you really wanted to see it, we would suggest that you do go to Sicily because they do still practice this tradition every year. And it is quite a big deal there. Yeah. And it's nice to be out in the piazzas with other people all standing around watching the fire burn and drinking their vin brulee and enjoying the company because that's a huge thing. Absolutely. From even way back when, when people were so isolated, it was important for them to get out and spend time together. Do you think that um, as a, as a global community that we're losing our traditions and our customs Well, we are changing. They're all kind of morphing. Um, If you look at just the American things that have changed or um, things, you hang on to them, but you don't know why you're hanging on to them and little by little they change. Or Or they go away. Because sadly, we do not have the Yule on the table anymore. No, but that's... After my grandmother passed, my mother didn't continue it. I don't think she understood the significance. And my grandmother grew up in Sicily and immigrated here in her teens. But, But you are from an Italian family, so most Americans wouldn't have that dessert on their table. They have no idea what it is. And if they had it on their table, they'd be like, oh, this is a nice dessert. But they nice have chocolate no, cake. Right. They had no idea why they had it on their table, except by chance or by luck, right? Right. <clears throat> but, you know, I was just thinking how um, I was telling you earlier, you know, that saying, a close but no cigar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we use that um, phrase very often. And... Most of us don't even know what the hell it means. What do you mean you're close but no cigar? Okay, you can imagine it means uh, that you almost had it but you didn't get it. But the fact that it came from the fairs, outdoor fairs in like the late 1800s, early 1900s of, you know, that big heavy sledgehammer where you bang it on that plate and then that ball goes shooting up to ring the bell. If it rang the bell... You would win a cigar. That was your prize, right? But if you didn't ring the bell, the guy would say, close, but no, no cigar. cigar. Right. right. So when you think about that, why on earth are we still 
saying that. that. It's, 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 to me, it's just so incredibly fascinating. All these little things that we do and think and say, we have no idea where they come from or why we even celebrate them or practice them or believe them. Right. So this is not something that is like a ritual or anything, but it's just interesting how it's been handed down through the generations and we're still kind of using it and people still kind of understand the meaning of it, but they have no idea the root of where it came from. Well, this is one of the things I do really love about Italian culture. I think the Italians are much more appreciative and dedicated to maintaining and upholding the customs and traditions of their ancestors. That and a lot of them still are kind of superstitious. Isn't that funny? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's superstition. It's superstition. Or they want just just to make sure that they've got some Right, just to make luck. sure. What harm <laughs> what could it harm do? What harm could it possibly do? Right. Can't do any harm. That's right. You don't know. You would go around telling people that I'm practicing this particular superstition because my great-great-grandparents practiced it and yes of course it is rooted in pagan tradition but we don't need to tell anybody that listen every little bit that's right every little bit of good fortune right now (laughs) i think helps Mm -hmm. why not that's i know i wore my red underwear well on new year's eve for you thank you (laughs) it's that's important but i did not have my yule log so next year i'm gonna have to add the yule log cake to my christmas table That would be nice. Now let's talk about just for a minute, Val, the differences between Northern and Southern Italy, because I find this very fascinating. We're talking about superstition and tradition. And my grandmother, my mother's mother, was Sicilian, and she believed in the hand and the horn. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right? The horn, which is called, there's an Italian word for it. Cornuto. Yes. And the hand. And that was good luck. The it's looks. actually it's the two fingers, and actually that's called cornuto. Okay, and I wonder what the horn is called because I don't remember now. It's like a cornucopia. It's, a, it's, it's for good it's luck. Like it's corno. that red. It's a corno, but but I don't know what they call it. I don't know if they call it corno or, or it if prob- they have a different name. <clears throat> the reason why I bring it up is because when I was number of years ago, when I was in visiting Bedonia, which I do every year. Um, I went to the jewelry store. My grandmother had given me hers, and somehow over the years I lost it, and I wanted to buy it again. And when Is I went, the horn or the fingers? both, both. Okay. So when I became pregnant with my son, she had put them on a little um, safety pin Isn't and made me put it in my bra. <laughs> That's cute. One is to ward off the evil spirits. That's right? the horn. The horn, and the other was for good luck. I think in. Fertility. Yeah, it's good. It's good luck, and a lot of Italians still use that on their Don't fingers. Don't do that to me. Put it down. No, no, it's it's good luck. It's warding off anyone from cheating on you, or or it's if somebody says something bad at you, it's to make it go back to them. Okay. <laughs> In my area, it's you know they they do that for um, if somebody says, "Oh, so and so, she's a floozy," and they go like. That and right. they put their fingers down, like, no, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No cheating, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is when I went to the jewelry store, they weren't there. Yeah, well. And they said to me, oh, that's a Southern Italian yeah. superstition. And to- he kind of poo pooed me off. And I was like, hmm, I kind of felt like, oh, oh, oh. 
There is a big difference between the Northern and the Southern Italians. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the first years that I was there, so going back 28 years ago, they had them in the jewelry store. Very often they had them in the jewelry stores. And over the years, it's kind of petered out because um, the younger generation don't really believe in that stuff. They don't, you know... They don't practice it. They don't practice it. They don't think, oh, I'm superstitious. I need that for protection. So so they're not selling them. And so, of course, they're not going to have them in the shop. Right. But in southern Italy, it's they're still widely used. Right. Yeah. As Definitely. A, a sort of a way to protect yourself and ward off evil spirits, yeah. which is really what the Yule is about. Everything is about that. Everything is if you look at it, everything that we do... That's left over from uh, pagan religion or even before is all like this process of making sure there's prosperity and good health and... And warding uh, off bad luck. Yeah. Right. It's to protect us. Yes. It's kind of beautiful in a way. It is. See all the things you learn here on P.S. Italy? (laughs) Now you know to burn a log next year. And save a piece because you want to burn it again next, next year. year you... Although we do not take any responsibility if you decide to drag an entire tray into your home. That's right. You're on your own there. <laughs> Some of the other celebrations that the Romans celebrated during this time of year is the Saturnalia. And that was a big holiday in um, to celebrate the god of Saturn, the Saturn god or whatever, and it's the god of agriculture. And so this is the thing. In January, everybody's really worried about their upcoming crops. Absolutely. Especially back then because they lived um, well if they had crops, but if their crops were bad that year, then they suffered. Right. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, in a technologically advanced society, we're not worried about our crops, but we're worried about everything else right now. Like, what are people going to say about me? No, like, (laughs) uh, are we going to be able to not work from home? Oh, right. Right? So we're worried about different things in this particular season of life. People are going to have difficulty going back to work because being at home and having hands-on whatever you need right there and time with your family and time with your family you get extra time with your family being at home now that's been good for some families not so good for other I families know, but and and another thing i think when i used to you know drive into the city to work i was a graphic artist you mean new york city new york city um i enjoyed that because i was stimulated by other colleagues and things going on in just the city sure. in itself right there's an Which energy helped me make you more creative absolutely mm-hmm. being stuck at home and working from home i think i would just poop out <laughs> I, you know i don't know are any of you pooping out out yeah, there yeah like write to us and let us know no, <laughs> no i wanted to tell you about the festival well you could Saturn. join us on facebook and let us know on facebook at ps italy tours we're on facebook that's right we do that once a month we do live italian conversation we host live italian conversation and we talk about silly things and we do some language uh, vulca- uh, vocab vocabulary. vocabulary words and we have music and fun stuff happening we do yeah so you can get to know us in case you are interested in joining one of our tours 
Unfortunately, we had to really postpone, cancel our summer 2021 tours because we thought it might be a little too soon, Mm. even though people are getting vaccinated, thank God. And Um, they are talking about traveling. We've already gotten many calls for being inquisitive. We want you to know that we are offering three boutique tours late September, early October. We are hosting, and they're already scheduled, a spa week where we're visiting different spas in Emilia-Romagna in Tuscany. We are uh, another boutique week that you can come to is our foodie tour. And then the last one is the vineyard wine tour. And if you're interested in any of those itineraries, we share them on psitalytours.com. So you can check that out. We know many of you, I know me, one of my New Year's resolutions is to travel more if I'm allowed, when I'm allowed. And uh, we know if you're dreaming about Italy, we want you to start stop dreaming and start planning and our tours are 100% fully refundable for the fall just in case we're not able to travel but we will be because it's far enough out there that we will one thing I'd like to say about those tours I'm going to start doing all kinds of superstition things to bring a look there you go get a yule log and put it under your bed that's what they do (laughs) keep it there all year Uh, uh, the things that are so nice about our tours, we're specializing in the spa this one week, but it's not just spas. After we go to one spa, we're going to go to a winery, for example. After we go to another spa, we're going to a medieval town. So there are always things that are accompanied with the special thing that we're kind of... And, And the best part is it's like a private tour, but we already have the week scheduled and they're thematic and we we stop at 20 guests so we usually have 20 guests or less so you don't have to worry about being inundated and dragged all over the place which and I don't, we don't get up at the crack of dawn which I don't think people want to do anymore no. so this is a very safe way to travel I think because you're in a smaller group and we do go to those little off the beaten path locations as well as some of the more popular spots, but it is a really beautiful way to see Italy and learn and about nice the culture. And it's nice because the first night we get together and we have dinner and everybody gets to talk and you get to know each other. So if you come on your own, you definitely you can come as a single. meet somebody and feel comfortable that you have a friend because everybody's so open and friendly, friendly. Yeah. yeah when we'll be but we'll both be there that's right that's we're right. open and friendly <laughs> whether you like it or not yeah so thanks for listening for today's to today's podcast which is about the yule and the january midwinter festival and we did talk a little bit about customs and traditions and some of the differences between northern and southern italy and if you want to participate in this tradition then i suggest that next year you book a trip to sicily at this time of year. Exactly. So thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.